It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacey Trisankos. Welcome to episode 12 of season three, in which we have been exploring the wisdom of Alice von Hildebrand in her book, Refined by Love, Letters to a Young Bride. These are letters written by her. Um, she uses her nickname, Lily, and she's the godmother of um, Julie, who just married Michael. And we've been exploring the marriage advice in these letters to a young bride. As uh, mature women ourselves, middle-aged <laughs> women, upper, upper middle-aged women, middle-aged um, <laughs> grandmas, um, Stacey and I are, are and co- as converts to not cradle mm-hmm. Catholics coming into the beauty of the church and appreciating the sacrament of matrimony anew mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. converts. And so we're reading her advice thinking, wow, I, w- I wish we'd have had more of this when we were young brides, but also thinking this is, this is renewing for our marriages right now. And it helps explain so much. And there's so much that we can glean from Lily's wisdom, not just in our marriages, but in any relationship. Um, Thank you, Stacey, for going through all of this with with me. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it too. I've I've learned so much from Lily. Well, let's start with a prayer and we're going to pray one of our favorite prayers. It's kind of long, but it fits the theme of this last episode um, where Lily is telling Julie about how to pray more. Um, And this is the breastplate of St. Patrick that we modified for a loved one. And we're going to pray it. It's kind of long. It's on our website. There's a link below the podcast, but let's pray this together for your loved one. And I'm going to insert my husband in the blank for loved one. And so you can insert whoever's name you want to as well. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I bind my husband today to a strong virtue, an invocation of the Trinity. I believe in the threeness through confession of the oneness of the creator of the universe. I bind my husband today to the virtue of Christ's birth with his baptism, to the virtue of his crucifixion with his burial, to the virtue of his resurrection with his ascension, to the virtue of his descent for the judgment of doom. I bind my husband today to the virtue of ranks of cherubim, in obedience of angels, in service of archangels, in hope of resurrection for reward, in prayers of patriarchs, in predictions of prophets, in preaching of apostles, in faith of confessors, in innocence of holy virgins, in deeds of righteous men. I bind my husband today to the virtue of heaven, in light of sun, in radiance of moon, in splendor of fire, in speed of lightning, in swiftness of wind, in depth of sea, in stability of earth, in firmness of rock. I bind my husband today to God's strength to pilot him, 
to God's might to uphold him, to God's wisdom to guide him, to God's eye to look before him, to God's ear to hear him, to God's word to speak for him, to God's hand to guard him, to God's shield to protect him, to God's host to save him. Against the snares of devils, against temptations of vices, against everyone who shall wish him ill afar and near. I summon today all the powers between my husband and every evil, against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose his body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield my husband today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, against mutilation, so that there may come to my husband an abundance of reward. Christ with my husband, Christ before my husband, Christ behind my husband, Christ in my husband, Christ beneath my husband, Christ above my husband, Christ on my husband's right, Christ on my husband's left. Christ when my husband lies down, Christ when my husband sits down, Christ when my husband arises, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of my husband, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of my husband, Christ in every eye that sees, Christ in every ear that hears. I bind my husband today to a strong virtue, an invocation of the Trinity. I believe in the threeness through confession of the oneness of the creator of the universe. Salvation is the Lord's. Salvation is Christ. May thy salvation, O Lord, be always with us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Stacy, today the letter is, I've been trying to pray more. A good way to wrap up this season. Um, can you tell us more about that letter? Yes, I'm going to read. This is a long letter, so I am going to read a little from it. Dear Julie, she starts out. Your new longing for a deeper spiritual life gives me great joy. I see that you've begun to realize its importance for your marriage. The closer you come to God, the more you'll be able to love and the more beautiful your marriage will grow. Indeed, prayer and spiritual reading will help you enormously to solve your daily difficulties in the light of Christ. You'll quickly discover that your struggles have been shared by innumerable souls who achieved victory because they relied on him who works best in weak vessels. But at the same time, I think you'll soon discover that just as your imperfections followed you into marriage, so they'll follow you into your newfound religious enthusiasm and might even sometimes lead you to do harmful things <laughs> in the name of religion. The problem won't be your newfound relation to God, but your old failings as a person. You intimate that Michael has already made a couple of half-humorous, half-sarcastic remarks about your new dedication to prayer. Perhaps he feels he may be shoved aside if God comes to play a central role in your life. Of course, true love of God doesn't diminish our love for one another. Just the opposite. The more we love God, the more we love our neighbors, and most particularly those bound to us by the sweet cords of natural love. She says, while I'm not a prophet, there's one thing I can guarantee. The more you live in the presence of God, relating everything you do to him, hearkening to his voice, recognizing the theme he places in front of you and dying to self. The more you do this, the more beautiful your relationship to Michael will become. 
Michael doesn't seem as yet to share your longing for a more intense God-centered life, but by being loving, understanding, and generous, I'm sure that in God's good time, you'll have the joy of sharing your beautiful life with Michael. What a beautiful prospect to look forward to. With all my love and affection for both of you, Lily. Stacy. Lily informs Julie, there, there was parts of this letter that I didn't read just because it was so long. So I kind of skipped around, but I don't want to, uh, I still want to address some of them. And one of those parts was a quote from St. Francis de Sales that no religious devotion should ever disrupt family life. There are priorities. How do we align our priorities? Well, I think um, the answer is is obvious, but I think it's so easy to forget. Obviously, in a sacramental marriage, Christ comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guilty myself, and I know um, every wife is, every husband is, of sometimes forgetting that priority. Um, in his introduction to The Devout Life, St. Francis de Sales is Emphatically, she says, asserts that no religious devotion is ever to disrupt family life. And I've known I've known um, older men who told me stories like this. Well, one comes to mind. So we were very involved. The reason I knew older men is because we were very involved at our first parish, the one where I converted in Worcester, Massachusetts, St. George. And um, I took the children when they were young to visit the elderly. And there was one man that we ended up visiting many times over the years, um, even found him when he passed out one morning and called the, mm, the ambulance. And he was his life was saved because we just happened to show up. Lord only knows how long he would have been laying there. Um, mm. But he told me he actually was not the church knew about him because of his wife, but he didn't go to church. And he had a very, very long, um, just bad feelings, uh, resentment about his wife putting the church and her devotion to God in his mind before him. Now, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying the wife actually did, but he perceived that Mm -hmm. he knew that she would be at the church volunteering. He knew she would be there helping the priest. He knew she would be devoted to her prayers. And I got the impression he sort of felt shoved aside. Mm. Um, he may have had something to do with that, but, (laughs) but, um, that made me think about that. And I've thought about it in my own life before. What if we become so devoted to Christ that we spend so much time reading books and Stacey, you and I spend a lot of time doing our studies. I know, Mm -hmm. but that we take it too far that the house is neglected. The children are not cared for, not fed, and the husband is treated, Lily says, as a piece of furniture out um, yeah. or worse, as a hopeless sinner who the wife just doesn't need to spend her time worrying about. Um, and it that is that is a very bleak situation indeed. And I think as wives, we need to guard against that again, not just with our husbands, but with anyone, um, anyone who who is in our life, any of our friends, our children. And again, I think I'm guilty of this because I am not an extrovert. I'm very introverted and I like to spend my time with holy books. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas the most. I like to spend time studying. I like to spend time writing. And it is hard for me to get out of that zone sometimes and go and tend to the things I need to in life. I'm much better at it now in my fifties than I was when I was younger 
but um, I've often wondered if I didn't cause some resentment in my family because of that. Um, so I think that is a danger of discovering the beauty of an intense prayer life. Stacy, Lily said that prayer and spiritual reading will help us when we are trying to solve da daily difficulties. Can you say more about that? Yeah. She goes on to say that you'll quickly discover your struggles have been shared by innumerable, uh, innumerable many, mm -hmm. <laughs> lots of people Mucho. Yeah, <laughs> who've achieved victory because they relied on Jesus who works best in weak vessels. So when we get in the word and we pray and we read testimonies, uh, it builds us up and it encourages us. And this is why we share our testimonies to declare God's goodness and his faithfulness. And we also um, want to expose the lies of the enemy. We like to share our testimonies because what the enemy tries to use for evil, God turns it around for good. And that is very encouraging. We want to say to one another, let your faith grow, my friend, because mm -hmm. what God did for me, he can do for you. God is not a respecter of persons. He loves us all and is working all things out for our good, according to Romans 8, 28. See, the enemy would love for us to believe that God's absent and not involved in our day-to-day -day lives and that we would have to figure everything out on our own. But that's just the opposite of what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, Five, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart on your own intelligence. Do not rely in mm -hmm. all your ways. Be mindful of him and he will make straight your paths. God does want to help us. He wants to be very involved. He gave his own life so that he could be involved in our lives. You know, I've been praying the last few days over and over. And I know that we've all prayed this prayer, but it just has been the cry of my heart this week. Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, this broken, weak vessel. And when we pray this, God shows up. He, yes. he keeps showing up. He's faithful and loving. He is our firm foundation. You know, I've been listening to the Catechism in a Year podcast, highly recommended uh, by Father Mike Schmidt. And he said something a few weeks ago that just has stuck with me. He said, there's a difference between stealing and vandalizing. And when you steal something, it's because you want it. But mm. when you vandalize something, it's because you don't want anybody else to have it. Wow. That made me think of the scripture in the Bible. Um, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. He will do everything he can to destroy our marriages and our healthy relationships because he doesn't want us to have them. But it goes on to say, that Jesus came and he came to give us a life and to give it to us in abundance. And that's in John 10, 10. And I just had this picture of some of us. Maybe it was just me. <laughs> maybe it was just me. I've had a picture of it. <laughs> just grabbing the hem of Jesus's robe and hanging on and refusing to let go. Mm -hmm. And I know that we all struggle. And that's why it's so important for us to link arms with one another, pray, support, and encourage one another and tell our stories. And give our all to Jesus because he's already given his all for us. When I doubt myself, when I think my effort's not enough, I just remember that when I can't, God can. And you know what? I'm in good company because when I think about it, almost all the Bible heroes at one point or another felt like they couldn't either. But you know what they all learned? They all learned the same lesson. They all learned that God can. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses was one of the greatest heroes. 
but he didn't think he could do what God asked of him. And he actually asked God to send someone else. And <laughs> Isaiah, he said he was a man of unclean lips and he didn't think he could do what God was asking. Gideon said he was the least of the least of the least of his clan. And Jeremiah said, I don't even know how to speak. I, I'm too young. Those 12 spies, they sent out to uh, spy out the promised land. Well, they came back believing that they were unable to take the land God had promised them. And you know what they all had in common? And there's many more, but you know what they all had in common? They were right. They couldn't. But God could and God did through them, through those broken, weak vessels. And he'll do the same for us. He'll work through us. It is God who works in us. We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength to do what he's calling us to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Preach. Okay. Stacy, Lily also tells a story about another lady whose husband was an atheist. Um, I didn't read this part in the story, but I know it was such a good um, part mm -hmm. of this letter. So can you tell us more about that? Yes, I love this story. Um, it really, it was arresting to me. It, it really got my attention because um, there have been times when I have concerned myself too much with what, what my husband's doing. I haven't been focused on my own spiritual development. And there have, I'm, I'm sad to say, but being honest, there have been times when I didn't increase my prayer life because my husband didn't do it. They didn't do what I asked him to do. Like I've said to him, let's pray in the morning instead of me worrying about all the things I'm anxious about. Can we just pray? And he's a very private person. He doesn't pray out loud very easily. He has a strong spiritual life, but he likes to keep it to himself. And and, and I kind of, in a way, I'm like throwing down the challenge. I want you to take charge and you to pray with me. And if you don't, well, I'm just not going to pray. And unfortunately, that was the attitude I had. And um, and I, and that's not the right way to be. I, I like this story then because of what Lily is, is saying. It's a story about a woman named Elizabeth Lesseur, a French woman, who lost her faith after marrying a man who was an atheist. So... They have this marriage. He's an atheist. She lost her faith, but she realized along the way that she was crippled without God. Mm. And so she found her way back to God and she she developed on her own an intense spiritual life. But and see, this is what I wouldn't think of to avoid conflict. See, I would feel like I wasn't evangelizing, but mm. she worked with the playing field she had, not the playing field she wished she had, mm. good advice in mm -hmm. anything about marriage, working with the playing field she had in order to avoid conflict with her atheist husband, she was discreet. <laughs> I don't do discreet very well. <laughs> she was discreet about it, so discreet that her husband didn't even realize she had become an ardent Ro Roman Catholic. Wow. And that she was growing in her faith the story says that she died, Elizabeth died young, but she kept a diary relating her spiritual transformation. A living, you know, I always say that's why I write books. They're they're words that speak beyond us. Um, not that not that my words need to be hear, heard, but I, I, I pray God speak through me. She left a living testimony of the workings of grace in her soul. And Stacy, I know you do that. Mm -hmm. You write down your prayers. And mm -hmm. I think that's such a great idea. I think that's something we all need to consider doing 
because of what happened to Elizabeth, it's really got me wondering if I should, if I should write down these things that I want to say to my children and my husband, but maybe I don't say, but I can write them down so that if I die young, they, they will have them. Um, and, and just to keep a record anyway, because she left this living testimony of the working of grace in her soul and she died young. See, God knew what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. The husband found these precious diaries after she died and realized how deeply she had suffered because of his atheism from mm -hmm. the fact that she couldn't share the deepest secrets of her soul. And this struck him with grace. He converted and he became a priest. Mm. So like you always say, Stacey, God knows the end from the beginning. And it's so easy to forget that. But imagine if she had instead taken not the holy course of action. Imagine if she had said, I have to evangelize my husband. I have to be dragging him to church with me. I have to get mad at him if he doesn't pray with me. Imagine if she hadn't done that mm -hmm. and she had died young and there was only bitterness and no sweet, loving words filled with grace written down. Then she would have thwarted God's plan. God, of course, can work out his plans in other ways. But this is what it means to conform your will to God's will. Sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense in the moment, but it does. And I really like this idea of keeping the diary. Stacy, another piece of advice. Michael says he didn't think he married a nun. He was getting a little, he did know about her spiritual conversion. Um, what, yes. what do you think about this comment? I didn't marry a nun. <laughs> Um, I think he was uh, he was obviously starting to see a change in her. Well, I've often prayed for marriages that that God would give them the same mind and the same judgment that they would walk in unity in Christ. I just think marriages ebb and flow and we we do what we are called to do and we trust God with the rest. I mean, I just remember when I first met Pat, Pat was 100 percent. Catholic. And of course, I was 100% Protestant. But Pat never wore me out to become Catholic. He just prayed. He never uh, gave me an ultimatum. He never said that I had to become Catholic. I actually, he he was very smart. He did take me to meet with one of his, uh, his priests, a priest that he'd known for a long time. This priest suggested that I find out more about the Catholic Church just because he, he said, why don't you go to RCIA? Because that way you can find out more about what Pat believes. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I do need to know what I'm getting into. I do need to know what he believes. And that was my motivation. That was my reasoning in my mind. I'm not going for myself. I'm going to just find out what Pat believes. But he he prayed for me and he actually had his sisters and probably other people praying for me. But he never told me he never gave me an ultimatum. He never told me I had to be uh, Catholic. He was able to accomplish so much more. And this is my point. He was able to accomplish so much more in prayer than he would have been able to accomplish in the natural demanding that I become Catholic, because if he had of it would have pushed me away. So his leading by example, his words and his actions aligning with his faith, that's what drew me. Um, it was like Jesus and Mother Mary and Pat all just linked arms and loved me into the church. And again, it is the goodness of God, the, the kindness of God that draws men. And God chooses us, like I said a minute ago, us, us broken and weak vessels. He chooses to love others, to show his goodness to others through us in order to draw them to himself, to his church. And 
And this is why the more we love God, the more we will love our neighbors, as Lily says. It's almost like, okay, God, I love you so much. Who are we going to love today? Who do you want to show your goodness to today? Use me. Send me, Lord. Here I am. Send me. We begin to look for assignments, look for people to do good to quietly sometimes behind the scenes, not trying to bring ourselves glory, of course. But it might be just praying for someone that God points out to us. We're just called to listen and obey. Okay, Stacy, wrapping up this season, what are your final thoughts? I'm so glad that we decided to take a deeper look at Alice von Hildebrand's book. She is such a treasure to the Catholic Church and to humanity. And um, I'm, I feel like we got to know her better. And that was one of the goals. And I think we achieved that. A few of the piece, the advices that, is that a word? <laughs> the, the advice that sticks out to me, though, um, I'll never forget her saying to put on that shield of love so that not to put up a wall, but but it is OK to put up. It's, it's like a much deeper way of looking at boundaries instead of putting up a fence and saying you can come in, you can't come in this behavior, this good I'll let in this bad I'll keep out. You also put up a shield through which you look back out into the world because it's not relationships aren't one directional. We can't just say you can come in, you can't come in and put up a boundary. We also have to go out beyond our own boundaries sometimes and reach other people. And we have to know when to do that and how that one letter where she said, put that shield on so that you look through the lens of love at your husband um, at anyone and see them as God sees them. And so if your husband's having a bad day and maybe said, says something that's insensitive, says something that's not really him at his best, don't judge him for his, him at his worst. Mm -hmm. um, look through the eyes of love and say, oh, that's not the man I, you know, that he's not being himself. He must be having a bad day. A very forgiving way to look. And of course, you don't want to do that, as we said in almost every episode, with abusive situations. And there's a lot in, in knowing what's abuse and what's not. But if your husband's a good man and you have a good marriage and you trust him to will the good of you and the good of your marriage, but he has a bad day, you can let it go. You can let so many things go. And I also remember the letter where she said to tell him you love him more. Stop worrying about how much he tells you he loves you. Tell mm -hmm. him you love him more. Um, and an overriding theme of the whole season, Stacey, was know thyself, which yes. is a very ancient um, phrase all the way back to ancient Greece and one that Pope St. John Paul II um, repeated often to know thyself. And you can't have a healthy marriage if you're a half of a person and you're expecting your husband to complete you by being the other half of you that doesn't exist. You have to make yourself whole. That's what it means to become one. That one is not, it's not two half people becoming one. That's not what it means. It's two people becoming one new thing, a relationship, um, very Trinitarian where there are three persons, one God. It's two people, whole people, healthy individuals, man and woman coming together to make one marriage, one relationship that takes on its own life. Uh, there, there's a lot that we can all do at any stage of our life to work on ourselves, to grow mm -hmm. in virtue, to perfect ourselves, to strengthen in our prayer life and to really make a study of our spouse. That was another piece of her advice to really study him and, and learn to love him and see him for who he is and how God loves him. Stacy, what are your final thoughts? 
Absolutely. Everything you said, Stacy. focusing on yourself, focus on your relationship with God and let God work on your spouse. Spouse, You do your part and trust God mm-hmm. to do his. Give God your very best. Give God your efforts, your time, your love. Give God everything you have to give. I don't care how small it is. You give God what you have and let God multiply it. Um, I just think that prayers are so powerful and the prayer, your prayer for your spouse, mm-hmm. because you are one with them, is so powerful. Um, pray, bind us together, and bind us to you, Lord. Yes. I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Trisankos. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>